Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome back to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. I'm Vicki Kosiorg, and I'm here with Daniel Parks. Hey, guys. Hey, Daniel. Daniel and I just completed a long bike ride for yeah. Life Ride. If you haven't, if you haven't heard about Life Ride, um, you just are missing out. You need yeah, to yeah. look it up, right? Life Ride USA is that what they yep. where they need to go? LifeRideUSA.org or .com. Um, check it out. Yep. One of our partnering pastors, we did a whole episode about that. One of our partnering pastors driving from the Pacific Ocean to the to the uh, Atlantic Ocean. And I think at this point he's in Texas, headed toward Louisiana. And so, yeah, okay. pretty amazing. So he's biking a total, a total of 3,400 miles. And yep. we, each team, is trying to match that number of miles. So Daniel and I did our part today, right? Yeah, yeah I think I logged... Mm-hmm. 25 miles, maybe almost 30 miles total, I think. So Right. And yeah. and because I'm just a woman, I logged 50. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. you were biking a lot earlier than I was, I think. <laughs> I did. I, I started off pretty early. Yeah. So um, Daniel is a whole lot faster bicyclist, but I can go the distance. Yes, you can. So anyway... Um, uh, so our topic today is is actually very serious, despite that um, bantering at, at the beginning here. We're, we're going to talk about um, the new legislation that has just been passed. Um, it was vetoed by the governor of North Carolina, and then the veto was overridden. Um, and a 12-week abortion ban yeah. goes uh, into effect on July 1st of, of this year. So yeah. huge news. Um, so many implications with, yeah. with this, and we're going to discuss a few of them, but um, it's... Yeah, it's, before we jump into to the meat of this thing, I do want to mention to those that are listening that we are recording remotely, so if things sound a little different, um, that's, yeah. that's what we're doing. Um and then also want to acknowledge because we're talking about a twelve week abortion ban that you know it's for North Carolina, and right. acknowledge that many of you are listening from all across the country. People are listening from the you know from California, from the West Coast, all the way um, to the East Coast. We want to acknowledge that, but I think there is some applicable uh, principles and, and and ideas that we're going to bring out of this episode that's going to help you to kind of wrap your mind around these things that are happening nationally. You know, nationally. There's states that are doing limits on abortions, and there's all these, of course, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. There's all these states and 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 you know politicians that are pushing for legislation, you know, from the pro-abortion side to the pro-life side and so forth. So I think this will be helpful, even though we're going to be talking specifically about a 12-week abortion ban here in North Carolina. Right, and and so as as varying states start to deal with this sort of legislation, which they all are on one one level or will, yeah. 
there are some general principles about how we can respond and what to look for as yeah. sidewalk counselors specifically, and that's that's the thrust of this article. Yeah. Um, but, you know, before we get too far into it, I, I will say while this bill was being discussed and before it was um, officially passed, and even now, there, there, it always raises up the ongoing battle between the um, abolitionists, so-called abolitionists, and the incrementalist in yeah. terms of uh, abortion legislation. And um, it, it always concerns me because really from both sides, I will often see them challenging the integrity and the Christianity <laughs> of the people that, that are kind of coming from a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, and I really would just urge everyone to guard against that kind of language. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I know very, very good people, people that I deeply respect and love on both sides of this that would call, I think mostly, most of the pro-life people I know would consider themselves at heart abolitionist. But the process by which they believe abolition of abortion is going to come about is through incremental measures. They, so they, yeah. they believe they're being realist. And the abolitionists um, just believe it in, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's basically all or none. Abortion yeah. is murder. We must just absolutely always operate from that um, standpoint. And therefore, um, legislation that restricts abortion is immoral that yeah. that's what their position would be and i don't disagree with that um yeah well but i do i mean i think the, the the issue becomes when you start pointing the finger and you know, of course again the issue becomes when you start saying your stance is immoral ungodly unbiblical or whatever without any qualifier and without any um without any room for grace and, and room for misunderstanding. And so, I, and again, I think on both ends, and we did podcast episodes about this um, some probably years ago that we did. We talked about incrementalism in the Bible and immediatism in the Bible, because that's kind of the two camps, incrementalists and immediatists. The incrementalists are those who want, who, who think that we should take incremental steps limiting abortion, limiting abortion, limiting abortion to ultimately we end it. And then the immediate just saying that we make no compromise. We say abortion is murder. And if we don't end it, then we're not compromising and taking incremental steps to it. And there's a lot more to it than that. But anyway, we've done episodes about it. Um, and yeah, you know, I'll just be, be honest with you guys. I try as best I can to stay away from all the political stuff because it's a convoluted cacophony of poppycock okay <laughs> there is okay, that was a great phrase <laughs> yes it's a convoluted cacophony of poppycock there is so much nuance there is so much within these bills there's so much that comes with um politics and you know they say politics is the art of compromise and that can be true yeah. and so it just becomes a mess and it becomes, you know, people fighting over, you didn't support my legislation, you should support this. And then, of course, you look at the legislation and there's holes in that. And there's just, there's so many like little loopholes and so many little footnotes and so many little earmarks and stuff that can happen with legislation that I'm like, man, I just, I don't have enough time and energy 
to try to figure all that stuff out. Abortion's murder. We should end it. That's pretty much where I stand. Yeah. And and do it our our best to do so as much as it depends on us. Yeah. Um, it's kinda, that's kind of where I stand as well. So um, the way that we have an article that accompanies this, I think it would be really beneficial for you all, especially if you're from North Carolina. Uh, the bill itself, I have read the whole bill. It's 49 pages. It is, um, it's actually not terribly dull reading. Um, because they also show the where the language has changed and makes reminds me why I will never want to be a politician. Yeah, uh, is it they a have convoluted the, cacophony of poppy? It is. I mean, every word <laughs> you have to be so careful with every word. They have to define every word because the opposition will will find it as a loophole if yeah. you don't. So. Um, that's why these bills are so long and so hard to read. But what we've done in the article is we've broken it down into the top like 16 bullet points of what the bill provides for. Yeah. And then for um, we've talked about the key takeaways um, for us as sidewalk counselors. And like you said earlier, I do believe that this, this can be very much generalized. The principles that we're going to talk about can be generalized for wherever you are serving. I yeah. will say that in North Carolina, which is a mecca, for abortion. It is a destination place for abortions. They have billboards up at our borders that say abortion is still legal in North Carolina. Um, So uh, it is definitely going to affect the huge influx of abortion traffic that we have seen since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Well, let me say that and let me springboard off of that because I was actually Mm -hmm. talking to a brother the other day. Love the brother. This is not really against him, um, but he was talking about, so he would be the in the immediatist camp, right? Um, he right. would say that we should not compromise. We shouldn't do incremental steps. We should just end abortion. We should stand hard and fast on that. And he was talking about this bill in particular, and he was saying, you know, it's not going to do anything to save babies because at the end of the day, it's going to, you know, depend on the mom. She can just go to another state or she can just you know, get the abortion pill or, you know, there's these these reasons why people say that these bills aren't effective. And I just told him, and I, I of course, I, I stand in that same position, like we should end abortion immediately, right? We should make it a criminal act to commit abortion and uh, human beings should be treated as human beings from conception to natural death. So I believe that. But I told him, I said, man, I've been on the sidewalk in Charlotte since 2005. So, you know, 18 years or whatever it is. And I have literally seen babies saved because of a 20-week ban. Like, I have seen the abortion clinic. Now, again, we, we got to trust that the abortion clinic is going to do the right thing. But anytime a law is passed, people say you can't legislate morality. That's what legislation does, right? That's most legislation legislate, legislates morality. And when a law is passed and it brings in this, this um, component of fear, whether it's for the abortion clinic or for the mother, and it brings in this, you know, this doubt of whether or not what they're doing is right and they're gonna there's gonna be consequences for what they're doing, it does bring a certain level of accountability. And yeah. so, um, yeah, we've got to trust the the abortion clinic's gonna do their, you know, what they're supposed to do with the ultrasounds. And we know they can, you know, make the ultrasound look like it's less far along than it actually is, you know, the baby and all of that stuff. And, but at the end of the day, there are times, and I'm thinking of at least two or three times where I've seen mothers come to the abortion clinic, 
they were turned away because they were at 22 weeks or even 21 weeks, and they were told, sorry, we can't do it. You're too far along. And they do give them paperwork to have an appointment at another abortion center in another state. I've seen that, too. Um, but still yet, they chose not to have the abortion because they, they said, oh, I'm too far along, and that that means to me my baby must actually be a baby. So as much as we might hate 12-week bans or 20-week bans or heartbeat bills or whatever, to say that babies won't be saved because of it is untrue. It's just not true. I so, agree. You know, I shared um, that with this brother very graciously, and yeah. uh, you know, you know, he received it well. It's it's just a reality. You can talk about incremental steps being immoral and and there's a lot of reasons for that. I don't think we have time to get into that for this podcast. Maybe we'll have um, somebody on that can be. We, we actually did. We had uh, Carl Turnmeyer on. You know, it's been over a year ago where he talked about incrementalism and immediatism. So you guys can go back and listen to that. Um, but but either way, you can kind of throw shade on these bills, and there's maybe good reason to do so. But to say that no babies are going to be saved because of it is actually not true. It's and it's it's. You know, I wouldn't say they're being dishonest, but they're not using logical deduction <laughs> when they say that. Right. Um, this bill, I don't know. I have never read a full abortion restriction bill before. I did read this yeah. the, this entire 49 pages. Um, it really deals with that issue, I think, in that uh, the women have the right to bring charges against the abortion clinic for up to three years following uh, the abortion. Yeah. And right. so there is all kinds of proof that is the abortion center is re- required now, including the ultrasound picture. So yeah. they can only fudge so much. Um, right. Yes, they, they could probably find something to do to make it uh, look like it's legal when it's not. But I I did feel reading through this that there it's going to be harder for them to do that. And now that there is legal recourse for moms, if they feel in any way that any of the things outlined in this bill were not done properly, they can sue the abortion yeah. center for up to th- three years after it, and even longer, I believe, if it was for a minor, up to three yeah. years after the minor turns 18. That's yeah. in the bill. So, so let, let me springboard off of that and just help you guys understand what some of the hangups are for people who would be on our side, but they're not happy with a 12-week ban. And that's yeah. one of the things right there, what you just said. Actually, because, again, being logically consistent, we believe that that baby is a human being, right? Right. That that child yeah. is a human being, a human life at the moment of conception. And legislation that says that mother can sue the abortionist over issues with the abortion procedure kind of turns things on its head a little bit. It'd be like, you know, a mother is at the end of the day, the mother is the main one that's culpable. And so what we're doing is we're holding the abortionist accountable who should be held accountable, but we're not holding the one who's actually in the driver's seat accountable, the mother. And that is an issue. Like if we really believe that all things are equal, let me qualify. Let me qualify it a little because I probably didn't state it exactly correctly. If she feels they have coerced her into yeah. an abortion, so right. in that sense, she's not always. I. I mean, yes, yeah, she 
could say no, but sometimes the coercion is death of a family member if it's a sexual trafficking kind of thing. It, it she yeah. is in a very in some cases she is in a really difficult position. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, but but again, just to to reiterate what I'm saying here, these bills oftentimes, and this is one of the this is one of the hangups with bills yeah. like this, heartbeat bills and others, is they don't actually hold the person accountable who's really in the driver's seat. They don't hold the mothers account- accountable. And if we believe that life begins at conception, and we believe that a 12-week-old is just as valuable as a 24-month-old, and a mother, you know, if there was a place that killed 24-month-olds, she could walk her toddler into a, a place to kill that child, we'd certainly want that place to be held accountable. But right. we would also want her to be held accountable. Yeah. And this is where these things fall short. Yeah. And so, uh, and I'm not saying that I have the perfect solution to sort through all of that, because to to imagine it, that it's just as, as cut and dry and easy as that, that she needs to be prosecuted or whatever, is actually not, um, it's actually not as black and white as that, because there is a lot of societal pressure and confusion and all of this that surrounds, you know, her baby and her situation, and all that. So I'm not saying that I have super, uh, high, super high amount of clarity on that. I'm just saying this is one of the things that causes concerns for the people who would be on the immediate side is that the mother's not being held accountable. Mm-hmm. And they will say that the only way we're ever going to see abortion come to an end in a state and in the United States is if we hold all parties accountable who destroy innocent human lives. So that's, yeah. that's one of the main issues. And I think what this bill tries to do is provide every opportunity to educate the mother so that she truly is making a decision that is not based on lies from the abortion industry. Yeah. Um, And I would say that people are lied to by the abortion industry. So kind of in defense of, of, you know, someone who is in support of this bill and bills of that type, I do think that women are often deceived by the abortion industry, not to remove their responsibility. I I don't mean to do that, but, but I think that, um, which maybe we could get into some of the things that, that are required now. The, I think the point of many of the, um, uh, main issues in this bill is to make sure the the mother truly does know what she yeah. needs to know to make a decision to take her child's life. Um, so th- this bill actually goes into effect July 1st, 2023. Yeah. Um, and, and what it does is, uh, except for certain exceptions, the, the abortion clinics can no longer murder children after 12 weeks of age. Period. And if yeah. the child is older than twelve weeks of age, they it must be done in a hospital, and it's under certain um, e- exemptions, which of course we would disagree with. Rape being one right. of them. Yeah. Um, Again, another another issue that someone on the abolitionist or immediatist side would have, and actually that I have, yeah. because a child that's conceived in rape is not less valuable than a child that's not. So to have an exception in there and you you can kill this, you can't kill this baby unless they are conceived in rape up to 20 weeks. Like to me, fundamental flaw in this thing. It's like you're, yeah. you're valuing some human beings over others. But again, in my mind, because this is all a convoluted cacophony of poppycock, I'm not going to throw the whole thing out and be mad because they pass a 12 week ban. I'm just going to say, Hey, we need to rethink this part <laughs> because human beings are well, human beings regardless of how they're conceived. 
and and it's not even only um, the the method by which they're conceived, which you know here we're talking about rape, but but before twenty weeks it's okay to kill the baby conceived in rape, but after yeah. twenty weeks it's not. And right. again, that just is is just so illogical. Yeah, um, it doesn't make logical the baby's sense. baby. <laughs> right. So, um, but, but on the flip side, that's what it is. On the flip side, just so people right. understand, right. there's reasons why they put this in there. I mean, because. From you know the abolitionist side, there's accusations like, well, they they don't care about babies that are conceived in rape, you know, and it's it's really not that. Most of the time, when exceptions like this are put in, they're put in because they want to try to do everything they can to keep some judge from striking the bill down and calling it unconstitutional. So they're doing all of this stuff, not most of the time, not because of ill motives, because they don't really care about babies that are conceived in rape or Babies that, you know, or, you know, before 12 weeks, they do care about those. But in their thinking, they want to do something that's solid that won't get struck down by some judge and won't be in constant litigation. And so, again, we got to try to look at it from as best we can a um, a gracious perspective toward the people who um, are putting forth these bills. Right. So the mom... Uh, there's always been um, a requirement in North Carolina, at least in recent years, that she be have a consultation, be counseled 72 hours prior to yeah. the abortion. O- only, of course, by the abortion center, not by the pro-life right. people. But, um, but th- now it must be in person. Before, it could be by telephone. This okay. will definitely limit out-of-state abortions because it, yeah, it has no to doubt. be 72 hours in person before the abortion. Few people are going to want to spend two more nights of hotel uh, cost to travel to have the consultation and then, um, you know, and then have the abortion 72 hours later. So uh, that will definitely limit, I think, in uh, out-of-state traffic. The mom also must be allowed to see the ultrasound and hear the baby's heart. And that must be four hours prior to the abortion. So that's not something they can do at the consultation. That's going to be something they have to do the day of the abortion. So there's going to be this now, um, it, it says four hours prior to the abortion. Therefore, there is an increased wait time. Yeah. There is increased opportunity for us to reach the moms, for us to yeah. speak um, into this. Uh, and what I would advise people throughout the nation is I never knew that there were ever restrictions like this. And to check check the bills in your state, because it would be important to know that. Um, you know, how long before the abortion do they have to if if at all do they have to see the ultrasound and hear the heartbeat now it only says that the mother must they must allow the mother my guess right. is the mother is allowed to say no as well right. so it's that the yeah. mother is not being forced to to see the ultrasound yeah um i thought this was interesting they must allow the mother to see her child's remains after they are killed after yeah. the baby is killed. Yeah, it's uh, um, yeah, a unique part. It is. It and it's it's you know from a god perspective, I think it is where true repentance might happen. Yeah. In 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 those who have killed the baby and I I don't know if that's why that was put into the bill. Um it would certainly prevent I would suspect repeat abortions. Um, yeah. if if the mom agreed again 
it has to be allowed. It does not, it is not required that the mom look at the baby's remains. Um, what it does prove though, is that the baby is dead because it is now a criminal offense. If the baby is born alive, the physic, the abortionist must, uh, do everything possible to save that child's life. Yeah. And, um, and so if the mother is allowed to see the remains and the baby is still got a beating heart and is still squirming, whatever that, that abortionist can't stab the baby or put it in the freezer or the other gruesome things that we know happen to babies born alive, um, in a botched abortion. Um, they must schedule a follow-up visit seven to 14 days after the abortion. Again, very important because that means we're given another opportunity to speak to the moms when they come back following the abortion. Um, that is the current law is that they, um, uh, a follow-up visit is, um, allowed. I think the language is a little bit more direct that they, it must be scheduled. Okay. Whether the mom wants it or not, they have to schedule it. I guess the mom could still end up not coming, but they must schedule right. it. Okay. Um, the moms have the right to bring charges against the abortion clinic if she feels they have coerced her into an abortion up to three years after the fact. And if she was a minor, she has up to three years after she turns 18. Okay. And wow. I do think this is I, – I, I like this part of the bill um, because I do think that there, coercion occurs and what the, the statistic is very high. And so I think this might give an abortionist pause. Yeah. We know that there are talking women into abortions who are on the fence. And yeah. I think oh, this yeah. portion of the law might be something that would reduce that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think so. Mo- money is allocated for resources to help the vulner- vulnerable moms. So here goes into the next section of the bill. And which, as I was reading through it, I was thinking, okay, this, this in my mind models what love life philosophy is. Not only do you try to encourage women through education, through our three main talking points, not to have the abortion, but then you offer tangible help. And that's yeah. what the, ne- the next section of the bill goes into, that they are allocating money for resources to help the vulnerable moms. And... um during the counseling, this is new, the mother must be informed of the following help available should she choose to keep her baby. I think this is great because they're okay. doing our work for us then. All right. So the benefits um, may be available for prenatal care, birth, and neonatal care. Um, there will be Medicaid and other state or federal assistance available this one is important. The father is liable to support the child, no matter where he stands regarding the abortion or not abortion. He, he is held liable to help support the child. Um, a statement that there are alternatives to abortion and information on those programs can be found on a, a DHHS, Department of Health and Human Services, website. So this is, I think, really important. This all must be stated in the counseling so they know that there is help available there are alternatives available Um, some examples of the specific help state employees and teachers are given eight weeks paid maternity leave huge um huge 
because the loss of income during maternity leave is such an important issue for people on the fringe financially. Right. Um, increased subsidies for childcare. Uh, there are criminal provisions and punishments for assaults on pregnant women and misdemeanor crimes of domestic violence will be created. This kind of floors me. Apparently, from what I read, unless I misunderstood, it is not a criminal punishment, at least to the level it is with this bill, if there is an assault on a pregnant woman. Right. And that those will be increased. So um, the there will be $75 million um, allocated to expand access to child care. Again, huge. One okay. of the wow. big issues for women uh, choosing abortion. Um, over $16 million, including federal matching funds to reduce infant and maternal mortality, um, which obviously would, would mean that they are, there must be greater access to preventative health care sorts of issues. Um, $20 million to pay for maternity and paternity, paternity leave as well for teachers and state employees. Nearly $59 million for foster care, kinship care, and children's homes. Um, so if the mother decided that, okay, she's not going to abort, but she doesn't want to parent, parent, there are also increased funds for um, both adoption and foster care. Um, yeah. And kinship care, apparently now, I don't quite again understand what the current law is, but if a, a grandmother, say, said, I'll take care of your baby, I'll, I will take over, that grandmother can actually even now get foster care money, and that, that process is made easier. I didn't know it was ever hard, but it is, and it can be yeah. made easier through this bill. Okay. Um, $7 million to increase access to long-lasting reversible birth control. I don't know if we would get behind yeah. that or not, depending on what birth control they're talking about. Um, and then this is, again, major. $3 million um, allocated to help mothers and fathers complete community college. So helping with higher education if they, um, you know... Uh, I, well, I guess whether they abort or not, I'm I'm not sure how yeah. how that. Um, but it, I yeah. think again, it so could let's um let's jump into just kind of the key takeaways in this because okay, you know, we're you know, out of we time. We can get all into all of this, and you know we're kind of running out to uh, okay so, to the end of this thing. So if um, 10% of the abortions in North Carolina are above 12 weeks, and I forget where I got that statistic. But if that is true, that means five to seven babies here in Charlotte would be saved per day by this yeah. bill, yeah, um, which yeah. is significant. That's pretty significant. Um, Absolutely, it gives us it gives more opportunities for us to minister to the moms, um, which is always, uh, you know, beneficial. Um, that four hour waiting period gives them time to the four-hour period between looking at the baby and then having the abortion, again, major, because most women who see their ultrasound choose life. So that, I think, will increase the likelihood that that mom might still choose life. Um, a takeaway is that we might need afternoon teams because the day is going to stretch much longer. Yeah. Um, yeah and we all need... See, I'm interested to see how that actually plays out practically, but, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um uh, going to the DHHS website and um, finding out 
how these moms can most easily access these new resources would be very valuable. I have not yet done that. Nothing's up, nothing's up there is my guess yet. Yeah. Um, but it will be there. And so all of us, no matter where we're from, will need to, um, to remember that. And especially mentors and houses of refuge should be aware of that. Yeah. Um, because, you know, offering help is so major and important. Sure. Yeah. So that's kind of the summary. At the end of this article, I did put a PDF link um, to the bill for people okay. who would like to go ahead and slog their way through all 49 pages. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Well, um, I'm ready to wrap this up if you are, Vicki. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, guys, take advantage of this article. We'll have it posted on sidewalksforlife.com, sidewalksforlife.com. You can dig into this a little deeper if you want. Again, dig into those other episodes that we talked about, the whole immediatist versus incrementalist. Um, it can be a pretty heated debate, but at the end of the day, we need to approach all of this stuff with grace and believing the best about our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And, you know, practically speaking, I know that babies will be saved because of this, but the danger and the trap is that we'll settle and think that this somehow is the big win when in reality we don't see the big win until abortion comes to an end and every human being is valued equally. And so when we see that, then there'll be a matter for rejoicing, uh, but we'll rejoice Amen. that babies are going to be saved and that we'll have more opportunities to reach the women going into the abortion centers. So hopefully this episode was a blessing to you guys. You can reach out to me, Daniel, at lovelife.org. You reach out to her, Vicky with a Y, at lovelife.org. Please leave us a review. Please share this podcast episode with, with others. And until next time, God bless. God bless you all. Nothing's too precious since I met you.